welcome to the Cigar Cast, a weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. Uh, we are recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman. I'm joined, as I am every week, by a man who has never been accused of peeing sitting down, Mr. Shane Reeves. I've probably been accused of it. I don't, I don't know what that, how that pertains to anything. So, well, that, that is that is the appropriate response to that. So, I'll, let me give you some background here. Okay, lay it on me. So, there was a video on Instagram of some preacher used using that term loosely, going off about basically how all of the people he doesn't like, you know, President Biden and a number of other folks. Uh, how they pee sitting down. And that's, this is apparently his best way to challenge and affront their masculinity, which I think is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So and I, I brought up a, a comment on the video about how um, he can call himself a preacher all he wants, but that's not... That's not what he's doing in that video. You know, I wasn't really challenging anything. And, of course, someone says, well, you sound like you pee sitting down. And I just, A, I could care less if you think from one comment on Instagram that you can judge my masculinity. But, B, that's what you got? You think that's such a... Yeah, if you can't bring it any better than that, just hold on one second. Hey, Isaac. Will you ask Jake to turn this terrible Christmas music down? Okay, sorry. Oh, I don't know what they've got. It they they must have it on the crap Christmas channel and all because they they just oh. Christmas music is is tough. It and and I wonder if it's just because I've heard all of the same songs so many times over and over that it's hard for me to get excited about Christmas music anymore. But I feel like. There are a handful of songs that I absolutely have to listen to every year, and everything else can just go away. Well, we'll come back to peeing sitting down. Here's the thing. It's like the national anthem. When you're asked to sing the national anthem, step up and sing the national anthem well. Don't put your spin on it. Don't rub soul on it. Don't rhythm and blues it. Don't do none of that shit. Just sing it and sing it well. And I feel like Christmas music is best done that way. Sing the classics and sing them well. Now, if you feel the need to invent a new Christmas song, that's fine. But let's see, I'm going to tie all this back. Let's not bring contemporary issues into it. No, I, d- I definitely... You know, when they ruined Baby It's Cold Outside because they tried to talk about how he respects her decision and all that crap. That That's... Uh, see, I have always hated Baby It's Cold Outside. I always have. And so now that it's become kind of a, a, a punchline for bad Christmas songs, I, I feel somewhat vindicated. But yeah, we don't need to update it. Just stop playing the old one. Or if you like the song... Then commit to sing it and sing it well. Right. And let that be it. Yeah, because the beat and the tempo and the melody are not so revolutionary that that song has to exist so it's worth changing the lyrics. If if, if you like it, fine. But Well, and it's funny because it's actually gone the other way now with Santa Baby. I know your other Christmas song you hate. Yeah. Um, It fell under fire, and now I can honestly say I have heard Santa Baby played more this year than any year prior. Now, what is it under fire for? I just hate it because it's a, a woman, you know, writing a love song to Santa. She wants to... There you go. That's... that. So, okay, but that that's so weird that that would come under fire. That's yeah, just why I hey, don't like it. The things on the liberal agenda make no sense to me. You'll have to you have to update me, but me, me 90% either. of the things on the conservative agenda make no sense yeah. to me either. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just... I, to... I, I don't get it. I don't get why. But if, if you're going to sing a Christmas song, Sing a classic and sing it well, or let's keep with peace, love, joy, Santa Claus, Rudolph, yeah. whatever. You know, I was I was very intrigued and happy to see that Mariah Carey got knocked off the ivory tower this year, uh, and, and she no longer owns the number one most played of all time Christmas song. So, I because I, I think we need more Christmas songs. I think. So much is just a new band 
rehashing the old stuff. You know, Bing Crosby did it perfect. We don't need to improve on that. Let's just move on, creature. I don't think we need new Christmas songs. Why not? I think we got plenty. I think we've got... It's 30 days. It's from the end of Thanksgiving to December 25th. It's not even 30 days. There's so much airtime, only so much airtime during that. And there's only so much airtime you and I are going to spend listening to Christmas music in any event. I can, I have, if there was never another Christmas song added, I could keep that catalog for that window of time in my life filled till the day I die. Now, I know it won't happen this way, but I treat it like I treat buying a new shirt. If I bring a new shirt home, I get rid of two in my closet that I don't wear anymore. That that's my that's my rule for myself to keep from because my closet's out of control. So I think let's get new Christmas songs. I'm all for it, especially if it can be kind of updated and fun. But the the last Christmas by Wham has been covered 643 times. So two of those never get played again for for every time a new one comes hey, up. I this would be some heavy negotiations. Yeah. Because the one, um, so this is Christmas. I never need to hear that again. See, I like that, that one. could be, well, of course, it's miserable and it's... De- it's, it's Paul de- McCartney. Yeah, it's it's dragging down or the no, joy John of this. Lennon. Whoever. Uh, yeah. It, it's absolutely miserable and misery and personified and let's do that. The, the Christmas shoes. The kid buying the shoes for his mom to meet Jesus. I don't need to hear that ever again. No, don't need that one. Don't need the hippopotamus for Christmas. Don't... I, that one's fun when you have kids. I'll keep that one. I don't need the two foot teeth song. No, don't need that at all because nobody I, does the whistle right. I don't need uh, my favorite things from Sound of Music. I love it in the movie. How we decided that was a Christmas song, I'll never understand. But I don't yeah. need it in my Christmas round. But I don't, I don't know how you negotiate that. How do you negotiate what songs we're getting rid of and what is the standard by which we'll allow new songs to arrive? Yeah, I think, I mean, and let's face it, the biggest hurdle to everything we're suggesting is the fact that Christmas music makes money. Oh, yeah. And that's why bands, that's why bands do it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the Christmas albums, the country Christmas albums, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, all right, let's move forward. All right. Um, What are you smoking? Uh, I am smoking a $12 Placencia. This just seemed like it would be the right, uh, the the right. The reserve. Yeah, the Reserve Original. So, as the more eagle-eared of our listeners may be able to detect, I'm getting over a little something. So, um, our son brought the flu into the house at the end of last week, and he was gracious enough to share that. And so, I've been just struggling all week. I'm, I'm getting over it. I'm fine. But you can still tell the, the voice is not quite where it, where it normally is. You know, all these zoo shows I watch when they bring a new animal in, they put them into, you know, isolation. isolation. You need some sort of a decontamination chamber that you can run the kid through. You know, my kid has been, my kid is, will be two years old in, in two weeks. Uh, and he has been sick, you know, probably a dozen times. This is the first time I've gotten it from him. So I'm usually really good, but he's now at that, that age where he wants you to hold him because he feels bad, and then he turns, grabs your face, looks at himself, and then coughs right in your, right in your nose. So uh, yeah. there's really no avoiding it. But anyway, so this being a little bit on the lighter side, I thought might hit my palate just right. So it's a full Nicaraguan Puro. It is, uh, I'm smoking the, and I hate that they did this, I'm smoking the Cortez. Now, this... This comes in a Churchill, a Toro, a Corona, a Robusto, and then for some reason they've decided that the Perfecto needs to be called a Cortez. It's a Perfecto. It's five and three quarters by 56. I've smoked a couple of those. I like them. Um, it's a good inexpensive Placencia. Yeah. But Placencia is a good cigar. Well, exactly. That's I, I wanted something a little bit better, and I didn't want, you know, I wanted something kind of in that medium, mild to medium range. And so this seemed like the best way to do that, but still have the quality I'm expecting. Well, so I'm smoking a GTO painkiller. This is the Habano version. Excellent cigar. Um, Everything about GTO, their cigars are just clean. Yeah. The number one quality, you know, and I'm shocked. They came in here selling gangbusters, and they still are. 
Really? I'm shocked that the, usually a boutique brand will come in here and kind of white hot boost, yeah, boost yeah. up, and then it'll kind of settle into a rhythm of okay, this is what it's going to sell like. But these have retained a following. Yeah, and still, just people buying them. I mean, they put they are the rotation cigar, but part of that is he prices them right. Yeah, that's a big part of it, for sure. He's got the pricing on them right. They're going to be eight to twelve dollars. The most expensive one, the 33 Oaks, which is worth it, is like 15 bucks. Yeah, that's hard to beat. I mean, you know, and that's a $20 cigar anywhere else. Right. That it's not GTO. So I'm really surprised at the how well they have held up and how long they have stood in this shop. And I think they'll continue to do well. But that's great. I mean, you know, we've talked on the show before. Like, I've, I've known Oscar for a number of years, and, and it's a, he, he is just the the perfect person to be in charge of that brand. Like it just it means so much to him, and it uh, and he really he's just such he's such a good guy that it's really hard to not see that in the cigar. Right. It's a, yeah. He it's a, never met anybody that met Oscar and said, "Oh, that guy's a jerk." Right. Never gonna happen. But moving forward, so let's talk about. The Fuente Padron Legends Humidor has been delayed until 2024. So this was originally announced, what, 2020? 2020. Yeah. So uh, apparently this most recent shipment made it from the Dominican to Tampa at the Fuente headquarters. And one of the shipping containers was extensively damaged. And it was discovered when the humidors were unpacked. And so, essentially, they're just they're going through and trying to figure out what's been damaged and kind of sort through it. Well, here's my question. Do they expect us to buy that? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, I ain't buying it. I know what they're selling, but I, I ain't buying it. I do. I have no reason not to. How do you damage something inside a shipping container? Well... I mean that's a that's a good question. But it's, say you've got a product that you've been waiting four years to put out. Um, you don't put the dumb guy on the dock in charge of packing that. True. You get somebody that you know because okay, they've never quoted a price, but I'm gonna say five grand to to touch one of these. Probably at least. I'm gonna say you're talking five grand to touch one of these, and how many of these will fit into a shipping container? Uh, probably more than they're planning on producing. So I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And I'll, I, I, I think they got delayed. I think they got delayed building them or got delayed making the cigars or something along those lines, and this just happens to be the excuse they made. I don't know. I I have no reason to doubt them. I, You know, anything can happen in shipping, whether it's... Uh, maybe the the container didn't get sealed right, and so they got water damage, or or you know, what? Do they ship them via submarine? No, but <laughs> have you ever seen a shipping like there's there's water everywhere at sea, even on the deck? <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. You heard it here first, folks. There's water everywhere at sea. Take note, Brian. Take note of that. You're flying. There's water everywhere at sea. Um, no, I'm just a local pilot was in here. Doesn't just. <laughs> It doesn't just stay that, you know, there are storms, there are waves of crystal, like, like splash up on the deck happens and, and water damage in shipping containers is actually fairly common. Looks like these are all things that if you were shipping a valuable cargo that people have been waiting four years for, you would have, you would have perhaps took care of. One would think, but I'm also guessing that this is probably something that gets outsourced to a specialist here you go, right there. Thank you. I couldn't see the ashtray, folks. Yeah, I can't imagine they're going out and you know ordering a shipping container to the factory and then having one of the you know one of the maintenance guys load it up and put it on a truck. I, I assume there's a specialty company that. So you're buying this? I am buying this. I have no reason not to. Gullible. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not buying it. But that's just me. <laughs> no, okay, let's talk about humidors. All right. Quality Importers releases two new Humidor Supreme electronic humidors. I've seen these at the show. Okay. Um, they're okay. <laughs> All right. They're, 
here's the thing. I want my humidor to look like a piece of furniture. I don't want it to look like a Terminator regeneration capsule. See, I don't care about that. In fact, this style of humidor is exactly what I'm looking at right now. You know, the, the, you see the wine doors, you know, the wine coolers. That's essentially what we're looking at here. It's, uh, you know, it's a glass front, you know, metal cabinet, essentially. Well, full disclosure, Quality Importers is currently on my crap list. Yeah, because that's who made the new humidor you just acquired. Yeah, I just ordered a new drawer humidor. And apparently, and this is, it's 10 drawers, and it's got a big cabinet underneath it, and it looks like just a sugar chest, if you know what that yeah. is. Um, it's a very understated piece of furniture. I really like it. I think it'll hold all the cigars I need, and it'll look good in the house, and it'll be subtle, and, you know, which my current humidor is not. not yeah. But it will not hold a 6x60 in the way they currently have it formatted. I do feel like that's a bit of an oversight. They put these big old dividers in there that serve no purpose. Right. So actually what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to end up having one of our guys, he needs some work drawn on his house anyway, I'm going to end up having him build me 10 new drawers for this and then just put their hardware on it and their front on it. Yeah. And I should be no trouble, but I'm going to have to have 10 new drawers built for this. Plus, in the back, they left seven inches of air gap between the back wall of the humidor and the back of the cigars. Well, that's so that humidity, because presumably, just like these lockers here, you're going to have a single electronic humidifier in the bottom cabinet. Mm-hmm. And so that's what allows the humidity to go up and reach. You don't need seven inches. Seven inches is much. I, I'll give you that. In the back of these lockers, they're what, an inch? Yeah. The, I'm going to leave. I'm going to take the shelves currently are six inches deep or seven inches deep. I'm going to take them out to another 11 inches. Oh, okay. I didn't realize they were that shallow. It's a very poorly designed humidor. Well, quality what would you importers. expect for, from quality importers? Well, I, I expected quality importing. Well, they, <laughs> they haven't lived up to their name from a, in a lot of their stuff for a long time. But And, you know, it's a, it was a closeout deal and yeah. all, and I can see why they're not making them anymore. I think I can make it what I want, but right. I think I'm going to have some money invested in it. Yeah. Plus, they made the drawers out of MDF. And oh. the inserts are the red cedar. Oh, so there's no way you're getting those. Those. No. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, yesterday I had an angle grinder. I had a sander. I tried everything to get one of them out. It ain't coming out. Yeah. And I I'm was just, actually sitting by the guy that you're having do the work on Friday when, when you were talking about it. Yeah, I talked to him again Saturday. Yeah, and we're talking, you know, maybe if they were lazy and used hot glue, you might be able to. But, yeah, no, they if they used wood glue, it's in there. Yeah, so I'm just going to have him build me 10 new drawers. I'll have him put the hardware that's on there on there. He can build them out of pine, and I'll just line them with cedar. Right. That'll be fine. And take the dividers out. So I'll have, so all that being said, if it seems like I'm being a little... Well, see, I don't, I don't keep any 6x60s. So maybe I buy those drawers over here, and I have him build me a cabinet for them. Build a cabinet that fits them? Yeah. Well, they just barely fit a Toro. And oh, actually, right? the drawers are never the expensive part. It's the hardware. Right. And, I'll, and of course, the facing and the facade is already I can 3D print there. hardware. I don't care what it looks <laughs> looks like. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do that. So if, if I seem a little hard on quality importers... You feel like you got bamboozled a little bit. Yeah, you would think a company that specializes in cigars would not... That wouldn't be an issue at all. That they, and the thing is, the humidor is plenty big. Is that they use these giant inserts that are totally unnecessary. Right. Well, and also, it sounds like, okay, so the drawers are seven inches deep, but it leaves seven inch of air gap at the back. It's as if they didn't want you to be able to double stack cigars. Absolutely. That's what it seems like. But for that price, they could have doubled the amount of cigars it holds and probably sold more of them. Wouldn't have had to close it out. I, I don't know what's going on with it, but here's the question of the day. All right. How many cigars is the difference between collecting and hoarding? Uh, I, I don't know that there's a definitive answer to that. Because I have, 
I, I buy two boxes at a time for my home stash. And then I smoke until there's about half a box left. And then I replenish. And then I usually keep one back from each box, you know, so that I've got... I've, if I ever want to go back to that particular experience, I've, I've got one. So, but I don't... I think you get into hoarding territory when you buy the exclusive cigars or you buy the, the cigars that you have no intention of smoking just to sit there and age them forever. And if... I guess if your rotation is smaller than your aging uh, well, component. Well, let's, let's break it down this way. Say you smoke two a day. Yeah. 350 days in a year, 356, but we're going to take a couple of days off. 365, actually. Whatever. So you need approximately 700 cigars a year. Okay. So in 700 cigars a year, if you have a one-year supply and you have 700 cigars, you've got a lot of cigars. You do have a lot of cigars. Uh, you know, and as long as you can keep them, you know, and that's why a lot of times I'll buy cigars when I don't need cigars because I see a deal that I can't pass up. And it's, it's the same thing I say to my wife when we're at Costco and see a, you know, a, a deal on canned goods. It's not like they're going to go bad before we use them. You right. know, so if I don't, I don't think there's, a, when you get to a point where you've got more cigars than you could possibly smoke in your lifetime, which, depending on your age, would have to be a ridiculously high amount of, of cigars. Or or you've got a whole bunch that you don't actually want to smoke, but you've been gifted. Right. If you smoked them, then you wouldn't have them anymore. Yeah. It's and that, the, it's if, the if incubator you get the, episode of MASH. Yeah. If you get more attached to the cigar than to the experience of smoking it, you've gone awry at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a, a part of it that you have to look at and all. So, but, that's, but I mean, to your point, you know, I've got a 50-count humidor desktop. And, you know, like I said, I'm looking for kind of a, a wine-a-door kind of, kind of situation because inevitably, like I said, the way I, you know, it, it'll hold 50 cigars. It'll hold a few more than that because right. of the way I can kind of angle stuff in there. And... But inevitably, I end up with a box or the majority of a box in a Ziploc bag with a, with a Bavita pack waiting for the opportunity to be able to move them in. And I'm just, I want to be able to buy cigars when I see deals and not have to worry about what I'm going to do with them until they're ready to go in the humidor. So I'm looking for something in the 300 range. Yeah, I think three to 500 is probably, yeah. you know, this one they sent me in its current configuration, they claim it'll hold 1,500. It won't. Yeah. It will um, when you get done with it. Probably. When I'm done with it, it probably will. But I, I probably, I've got a lot of cigars, but I bet I don't have 500. Yeah. And you've also, you're also a two smoker household. Yep. And I also have a lot of cigars that have been given to me by reps or given to me in a pack or one in poker or stuff like that. The, the nice thing of moving from humidor to humidor is I'll probably get rid of a whole load of cigars right. to somebody who I know that will use them. Right. I'll probably just bring a giant bag of cigars to one of our buddies that doesn't that likes to smoke cigars but doesn't really have the money to buy them. I'll probably just do that. Yeah. So that that works out good. But anyway, get back to the article. Um, they're bi- these big ugly black monoliths. The HS nine thousand is a double door. It's seventy five by twenty four by twenty seven. Capacity between 2,000 and 2,500 cigars. MSRP, $3,800. Yeah, that's that's a little crazy. But here's what's even crazier. The smaller single-door one offers between 1,000 and 1,500 cigars, and it's only $3,000. Right. So $800 difference? Uh, that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I I'm mean, curious. You know, humidification is crazy. Controlled via digital panel, which ties to a large water reservoir. So it's it's got a built-in, you know, electronic humidor, which makes me wonder, um, what happens when this breaks? If it's built in and integrated into the system, because humidors, uh, humidifiers break. Oh, they have a life, and they Just need like to be maintained to keep the mildew down and things mm-hmm. like that. So that makes me sort of concerned. Well, you know. My humidifier went out in my big humidor a couple, about a year ago. 
Okay. And all I had to do was go on Amazon, buy another one, have it shipped to my house, and put it in. This ain't going to be that easy. So I've, I think that that's one of the... And I think that's one of the things you really have to take into consideration when you buy stuff is, you know, I had this argument, and we'll talk about it in the next show, about geothermal heating and cooling. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, it'll save you money, and in 20 years, provided nothing breaks, right. you'll make your money back. But, but that's a long-term you, investment. Yeah, have most ever, people don't live in their houses that long. Yeah, have you ever owned anything that didn't break for 20 years? No. <laughs> I mean, a hammer will break in 20 years. Right. So there's, you know, I think that's one of the things you have to consider is, okay, what's my flexibility of being able to change this out, do something different? Yeah. Things like that. So I do think that's part of what you got to consider. But that's one of the things for me, the humidors I'm looking at, I'm just going to use the the crystal jars. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to bother with electric humidification. Because I think anything below about 600 capacity, or maybe even a little higher, I think you can get away with it. Here's the thing. I think it depends on the area of the country that you live. Well, yeah. We live in an area where we've got 70, 80% humidity all the time anyway. It's true. I mean, other than just during the coldest of winter when you kick the heat on, we got plenty of humidity. But not in the house. I mean, air conditioning, by definition, kicks some of the humidity out of the air. There's still plenty of humidity there. Still a decent amount. It's the reason that I don't get shocked when I open the fridge in the summer, but I do in the winter, for sure. Right. So there's you kind of got to gauge it. You know, if you live somewhere with low, sustained cold for long periods of time, and you're pumping heat eight months out of the year, well, yeah, then you're probably going to have more trouble keeping your cigars humidified. Well, it also depends on how well the humidor is sealed, too. And how often you open it. Right. Because regardless of how well it's sealed, if you open it, take a look at your cigars four times a day. Yeah, then that's, that's going to... It's like grilling. If you're looking, you ain't cooking. You know, if you're smoking a pork shoulder, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Right. <laughs> Same principle. But anyway, all right, let's take a break real quick. When we come back, we're leaving a little time so that we can talk about the friendship dip. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Cigarcast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man that's always trying to shorten the podcast, Mr. Trey Denton. <laughs> I was doing no such thing. <laughs> every, every week, folks, I, I always act like we've, we're running a little short going to the break, and then he'll say, 28 minutes on that segment. And I'm like, I, where did the time go? Yeah. It, it's a testament that time flies. Although, in, in this case, we have very limited content to fill two shows this week. And so I am trying to make sure that we ration our, our available uh, bandwidth so that we still have something to talk about in next week's show. Otherwise, it'll just be... And there is a lot to be said for quality over quantity. We right. may have less, but I think we've got two really solid mm-hmm. pieces in there with the other news articles. So, And we'll yeah. get to that. So everybody, please stay tuned. And also, tell me about the reserve. It is drying my palate out worse than than anything I've smoked in recent memory. It is amazing. I'm just sitting here. I can barely taste the cigar because of how I'm just conscious of how dry my mouth is. Um, I mean, that's Nicaraguan tobacco for you, right? Sure. It's going to happen. And as previously mentioned, I'm obviously not at full health, so I'm sure that's not helping. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I like it, but I, I'm not getting a whole lot of flavor from it. That's interesting. I mean, but I wouldn't say that that's a cigar that's a real flavor-forward cigar anyway. No, no. But I would I would usually expect a little more nuance, and, and I'm not able to pick that up again. That could just be me. Well, speaking of disappointing cigars, Supreme Leaf Perfecto shipping next week. So every year, Agonorsa Leaf releases the Supreme Leaf. Which I'm a big fan of. I think it's a good cigar. The first one was good. Second one was okay, but the size was off. The Toro, when they released it in the Toro, it was perfect. Right. But now they keep releasing these sizes, and now they're releasing it in a Perfecto. Hey, Agonorsa Leaf, 
y'all are falling behind the times. Y'all really got to get on the ball. I mean, as a company, what has Aganor Salif done that we've been excited about in forever? I mean, it's it's been a while. Uh, I think the Toro Supreme Leaf was the last time we both were like, man, this is really good. You know, but I, I like that they futz with the size a little bit. You know... We, we all talk about, you know, this is, the, this is the size that that cigar was meant for. You know, we talk about that occasionally. And, and yeah, the Toro in, in this cigar is absolutely perfect. But, that's, but we haven't had the Perfecto yet. It well, could be even better. Is this like Christmas songs? Is it okay to bring on a new size provided you get rid of an old one? I mean, I would... Now, does each size stay available in perpetuity? No. One year or yeah. whatever so, the run is. So who cares? I don't know. I'm just sick of the Supreme Leaf. We've had a box of them in there staring at me for over a year now. Well, the MSRP is about 17 so that definitely doesn't help. Because the even though I think the label is gorgeous, it's not really impressive. Right. So it doesn't make you think this is a $17 cigar. Well, it's you know, the new Placencia 1948s came in. Yeah. We were looking at them in the humidor standing by each other. I smoked one at the show. Yeah, it's a good cigar. Um, and Mark asked me if we should order them, and I said no, so he promptly ordered them. Right. Um, because they're $25 each. Yeah. And you're not going to get people to pay 25 bucks for a, a La Polina cigar. Uh, Placencia. No, it's a La Polina. Oh, okay. I said Placencia on the first time, I think, but I'm yeah. wrong. It's a La Polina. Okay. And you're just, I mean, it's a good cigar, but there's a limit to what people will pay for cigars. And that one exceeds it. Now, you know, and I have that discussion in here with every salesman that comes in here. They'll bring out a cigar and I'll smoke it and I'll say, okay, so what's the retail on this one? Most of the time, it's over what I think we can sell it for. There's there's a hundred good cigars I've smoked this year that I know would not sell in this shop. Right, because they're $18 when they should be 15 Right, they've just overpriced them. And for whatever reason, that maybe that's what it takes. It's a miracle we get cigars for what we do. And all for the it, price it, it we really get them. Is, yeah. We really should be in awe that we're able to get cigars for the price we do. But there's still a ceiling to what the average man's going to pay for his cigar. Yeah, because, I mean, and that's, I mean, the, the, the long and short of it is, and I was talking with a friend uh, earlier this week about this, because he spends a lot of time buying cigars online because he smokes mostly at his house. So it's okay, fine. And it's if if he wants to be able to smoke with the freedom and and volume that he does, he's got to buy them online because they're he spends half as much by the time you get deals and and you know sales and stuff like that. It but that's the thing. So if if you continue to bring 18, 25 dollar, 30 dollar cigars in the humidor, your guy who would have spent two cigars is now buying one. By the way, speaking of smoking at home, I haven't prepped you for this, but I've got a rant about this particular thing. All right. I, so my covered porch at home, my covered porch at home is 12 by 24. I've got posts roughly six foot on center, um, give or take, all the way around it. And I decided this week, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill in the slots between these posts with walls. I'm going to frame two by six walls, put a window in them, and I'm going to enclose this porch. I'm going to insulate the walls. I'm going to put some nice T111 oak paneling on them so that it'll look good. And this is going to become, I'll probably put a mini split out there so that during the heat of summer, I can sit out there and smoke. During the cold of winter, I can sit out there and smoke and enjoy it. And then I said, you know, I draw plans for a living. Um, I charge my customers $150 an hour for my services. And all now, I do it by that. If I do it by the hour, generally I do it by the foot because it works right. better for both of us. But if I do have to pay somebody by the, if somebody does have to pay me by the hour for something, I say it's one hundred fifty dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, a, a carpenter's probably not going to charge me one hundred fifty dollars an hour to do this project. Right. And I should be able to get a good carpenter for forty dollars an hour. So I would be losing money, me sitting at home doing this instead of being at my office drawing house plans and just pay somebody to do it. So I professionally prepare the plans, show, I measured out the porch, showed exactly what it was, showed exactly what I wanted it to be, everything, sent it to this guy. For a frame of reference, 
if I spend $10,000 to get this done, I will consider that having spent the maximum amount of money it could cost. I would think so, because it's already framed. Right. All that's got to be done. I mean, now, granted, it's been sitting for five years, so the deck needs leveling. Yeah. You got to pull the five and a quarter board off. You got to level the deck. You got to put the Aventech down. You got to frame the walls, put the windows in, hang the siding. I'm I'm comfortable at $10,000 on something like this if I need to to do it. He quoted you 26. No. He calls me, and he said, um, were you thinking of keeping this under 50 or over 50? Oh, my gosh. I told this son of a gun, I said, way under 50. He said, well, there's a lot of work needs done here. And I told this son of a gun, I said, if you're going to rob people, go get a gun so you quit damaging the rest of our reputation in the construction industry. Because <laughs> he didn't know that you... Well, you. I told him. Oh. And he seen professionally prepared drawings by me. Mm-hmm. And, how, and he said, well, yeah, I've been doing this. I, said, I don't care how long you've been doing this. That is insane. I could tear the whole thing off, yeah. expletives deleted, yeah, and put it back up for less than the $50,000 you're trying to charge me on. Yeah. Just, oh, so aggravating that... And he wouldn't say stuff like that if he wasn't getting that price. Well, that's, that's the problem. It's the same problem with the housing industry just in general right now, is that there's always someone who's going to pay it. Because if the work needs done, then you know it's going to go to the highest bidder because they're the one who's available. Oh, it, it blew my mind. Yeah. I told him, I said, if you don't want to buy, if you don't want to bid it, you shouldn't. I said, let's just quit wasting each other's time right now and hung up on him. I just, oh, I can't stand people like that. But anyway, that was my traumatic experience for this week. I had to share that with everyone. That's unreal. Well, it's, but I had a similar experience trying to get just a slab, a concrete slab poured in my backyard. And I think the quotes were like 13 grand. 13 grand to pour a concrete slab 12 by 12. Undoubtedly, I'm in the wrong business. Undoubtedly, I should get into this business so right. that I can charge cost plus 700%. I, I'm telling you what. <laughs> and all, but anyway, moving forward. So now that I have shared that and alleviated my spirit to my friend, let's talk about friendship. This was an interesting article. So this is from Culture Study, and it says... AnnaHelenSubstack.com I have no idea how that got there No idea Anyway, I went through odds and ends on Art of Manliness and got to this Okay And uh, So that's probably your easiest way to get on this If you want to take a look at this article I love their odds and ends Yeah, pretty good piece Just so that you don't have stuff coming from that And basically what this talks about Is the number of close friends you have throughout your life And I think This I think the the overall uh, sort of ebb and flow of this will be a surprise to no one, which is, you know, in your, you know, young adult, early 20s, late 20s, you know, you kind of go from having a lot of friends to, to start dwindling it down and how basically through your life, your your number of close friends sort of sort of tapers off. And I, I think... Until you retire, and then until, it spikes back up. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's remarkably hard to make friends when you don't spend 40 hours a week with them like you do in grade school or in college. Well, so you have to ask yourself, you know, I have, I have a number of friends. And a number of close friends. I, what's the delineation between... A friend, somebody you like, and if you saw them broke down on the side of the road, you'd stop and help them. And a close friend, someone with whom you would sell, you know, share your deepest, darkest secret? I don't know. Yeah. For me, it always comes down to, would I help them move? Would they help me move? And it's interesting because in my life, this concept has come up a few times. And there are a number of people that I would help move because that's the kind of guy I am. Uh there are not very many people that would help me move. Well, I, I don't like that barometer because when I turned 35, I said I'm not helping people yeah. move anymore. But if I, but put it, put it in any context. Like you, you've put a moratorium on going to weddings and helping people move. But there are definitely going to be people where I don't do this out of principle. 
But if ever I was going to, or if if there if something if they called me and said, I know you don't help people move, but this happened, it, you know. So right, the wife's throwing me out, and I need somebody to come help me get my dresser in a truck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you kind of have to, or you know, we had to do an emergency refrigerator transfer one night. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I can get that. But my barometer is kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really base it off of what I would do for them or they would do for me. I'd, I guess I base it off the amount of confidence I'm willing to take them into. I, I can see that, but I'm, I'm a fairly open person. There's not just a whole lot of deep, deep secrets. You know, so for me, that delineation comes from work friends to personal life friends. Now, I'm not going to share my deepest, darkest secrets with some of the guys in here that I would consider friends. Uh, there are things you know about me that, that others don't. And, and, but for me, that delineation really comes from, and I think this is important for people, you know, that, that late 20s, early 30s, even though I'm now in my late 30s, is that, going, that making that swap from everyone has a potential to be my friend to sort of I'm going to be a bit more curative and and decide who I let, you know, kind of well, cross those Did lines. you notice someone thrusting the olive branch at you the other night while we were playing cards? I, I did. I, okay. I noticed I, that. I, I, I get a lot of crap for running you down in here, so I would like to point out when I... <laughs> When, when someone's trying to be friends with you, I would like to no, I, I absolutely, I actually meant to text you and and, and comment on that, but um, the, no, and I was appreciative of that. It's, but I think, you know, it it also comes down to the fact that that everybody's a little bit different, right? Like you're a golden retriever. We've talked about it a number of times. You walk in and you're friends with everybody. I walk in and depending on what kind of a day I. I'm having is going to be worn on my face and you're going to see it instantly. And some people take that as a bit of a, a warning sign or of a, of like a, okay, he's, he's in a bad, I'm in a bad mood because of what happened out there. Like my life is very compartmentalized in that regard. Um, that Thursday night was a perfect example of that. I was run down. I had been working since seven o'clock. I was still working at nine o'clock and, but I was able to just become totally involved with what we were doing here. Well, and I think that is, do you think cigar smokers have more friends than any other hobby you could undertake? Oh, well, I've said it my whole life. If you smoke cigars, you've got a friend in every city in this country. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of that's that's a big part of the value of cigar smoking. You know, you have there's lots of people in here, 85% of the people in here I wouldn't know if I didn't smoke cigars. Right. And even more so than a bar, you know, I always thought when I'd watch the show Cheers, does that place really exist? You know, it, it's funny. I'm sure it does in places like the Midwest where you have the neighborhood corner bar. It, down here, we don't have that. You know, we don't have the sort of geographical. The closest thing we have to that is the Plantation Pub up in Bellevue. It was kind of just one little neighborhood bar in the pocket of a, of a you know, townhome community. But you see that more in the Northeast. You see it more in the Midwest. So I do think it happens. But I think for us, geographically, it's the cigar shop. Well, and here's following up on that thought process. You know, the one of the things my pastor said to me one time is he said, well, you found community at the, at the cigar shop, and I wish you'd found community at my church. But it's tough to find, it's tough for me to find community at a church because yeah. I'm going somewhere that I don't necessarily want to be. You know, and if I go to the cigar shop and I don't come back for five days, some guys are going to call and check on me. Yeah. But they're not. I don't feel obligated to show up here on Sunday morning at nine o'clock. Well, and also, when I sit down with somebody at the cigar shop, I am getting them exactly who they are. Uh, we're getting, you know, it's it's a who we are in the moment. It's you know, it's a hundred percent people on people's terms. When you get with community in church, is very much about what I want you to think I am. 
Which is sad. That's it, not what it's meant to be. It's very sad. You know, we were a member of a small group for a number of years and lovely people. Every single one, uh, every single couple that we interacted with, I, I thought were great people. But particularly the men in the group, I felt it never got past talking about the Titans and right. work and things that like it never really, with a couple of exceptions, got into the realness of life. Well, it is men. We're prone to do that. We're prone to shelter our innermost thoughts yeah. from other people until it becomes a problem. You know, there's people in here that it's, it's amazing how many people in here have just opened up to Glenda. And she said, why do people get, I said, cause you're a girl and all that you're safe. Right. And all. And that's the, the fact of the matter is, as men, we don't tend to get that deep unless we got a cigar in our hand. Yeah. Well, because you're afraid that you're going to open up about something personal, and then their retort is going to be, well, clearly you pee sitting down. Oh, well, sure, obviously. Y- yeah. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have any friends that have that limited of vocabulary. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to me because I got thinking about this, and... I, there are people that I have not spoken to in 10 years that if they called me up today, I would drop everything to help them out if they needed. And I wonder what that says about me because I don't know, like if I were in a scenario where I needed to reach out to one of those people, I don't know that I'd be able to do it. Right. You would feel awkward calling someone you hadn't talked to in 10 years. Yeah. And maybe that's why. They don't call me, you know. Well, and that's the thing, you know. I had a friend from high school. She's seen her and her husband in the grocery store the other day. She wouldn't talk to me because I haven't called her. Yeah. Well, I haven't called her in five years because she hasn't called me in five years. Right. And inevitably, what happens in my life is a friend outside of the cigar shop. We're friends. Everything goes great. They start having kids. They no longer have time to fool with me. I, and I just brush them off and keep on moving. Yeah. And no I'll, animosity, no, no ill feelings, but that's... No, just, I, d- I don't want to hang out with kids. I don't want to go do stuff where I've got to consider what are the kids going to do. Right. There's a reason why I didn't have my own kids. I don't want none of theirs. Right. Well, and this goes a lot into, in this article, talking about your 30s and how, you know, kids really produces the biggest schism in friendships. You know, it's... It, and it's interesting, it, I've noticed this in my own life, because, you know, I was 21 when my daughter was born. You know, so I hit this way early. And I had a really hard time in my early 20s making friendships, because I had this level of responsibility that nobody else had, right. and weren't even thinking about yet. Um, and it, but, but, so to become friends with people... Again, I, I utilize the cigar shop a lot, but I was friends with people in their 40s and 50s when I was in my 20s because we were we were going to the same life stages uh, yeah. from, from a family standpoint. Yeah, and I think that's what happens. I think that you shouldn't let the age thing get too far involved in that because I've got friends here in their 60s, their 70s, and I've got friends here in their 20s. Now, granted, I don't connect very well with the ones in their 20s, but I try. Yeah. And also, it's it's just interesting. Now, here's the thing. Their statistic, their little graph here from Pew Research Center. 8% Americans say they have no close friends. 38% report five or more. Um, do you agree with these numbers? Well, I think... I think, uh, assuming that what they said earlier in the article... You can define close however seems appropriate to you. Uh, if it, so, since we have no basis or no determination for what a close friend is, I, I can see how there are probably five people in your life that, that you would consider a close friend. But for 38% of people, right? Like, I can see how, you know, look at a wedding party from somebody in their 20s, someone who's just out of college. You know, there's eight people on either side of the bride and groom. Right. You know, now, are you going to be friends with those people next year this time? Probably not. 
But, uh, you know, so I think youth probably skews that. I, I don't know anything about the demographics of, of the survey. Um, the fact that there are 8% say none is... I would love to see this graph pulled for different countries Yeah, to see what the differences are. I well, think that would be the fascinating statistic that it doesn't mention. You know, this is strictly dealing with American friendships. But I would be interested to see what English friendships are like and yeah. what, you know, Romanian or whatever. Well, and I'd love to see it also compared against age demographics. You know, are the people saying no close friends? Are these, you know, retired people? Are these people that have maybe lost a spouse? Because, you know, I've had both an aunt and an uncle who have lost their spouse. And it's incredibly lonely making, especially if you know, you're fairly young when it happens and all of your friends are still, you know, there's that, you don't want, you don't want to lean on them as a third wheel. They don't want the pity. It, it's just like, it's, none of this is true, but it's what everybody feels about the other situation. Well, and the other thing is, you know, half of marriages end in divorce. More than right. half of marriages end in divorce. Who gets the friends? Yeah. You know, how, to, is that a negotiation? I've never been divorced. I don't know. Is that a negotiation you go through or is that pretty well established during the divorce process? How does that work? Uh, you know, it usually falls along clean lines. It's interesting, though, because I actually have a friend who I should have lost in the divorce, in my second divorce. I should have lost this friend that should have gone the other direction. Right. I was closer friends with her husband than I was with her, and she was closer friends with my ex-wife than I was with her. But anytime she comes to town, this is one of those people, like, we don't talk very much. We're fairly... Uh, different in our, but you know, she texted me the other day because her uh, husband is looking at getting a vasectomy reversal. So they, so she just out of the blue texts me and it's like, hey, I know that you went through this. Like, let's go, and I think that's great. Um, so occasionally it goes backwards from what you think, but um, yeah, it's usually pretty clearly defined. Well, we'll wrap it up there. So tell me about your reserva. Um, I'm still kind of in the same place I was at the break. It's it's coming alive a little bit in the the back third here. I I have to I have to believe it's just me in this. I, I think I was I was feeling fine, like not congested or anything when I walked in. But I, as I'm sitting here, I'm that congestion is starting to hit me a little bit more, and which is funny because yesterday I went to a Christmas party and smoked cigars on the way down there, and I came here and had a cigar afterwards. And it went the opposite direction. Smoking cigars kind of helped clear me up. I don't know. It's I, So it's probably cigar choice, but I, I, I'm not going to rate it because I don't think that would be fair. Don't feel like you have a fair palate. I yeah. mean, the painkiller is a six. Okay. It's, it's just, it's a six for flavor. It's a six for price. It's a six for everything. It's not going to knock your socks off. That's the reason it's not a seven. Right. A seven has to knock my socks off. My socks are firmly in place. But it is just the cigar I needed for exactly what I'm doing right now. And I'll, so I'll give it a six. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're at Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and thank well of us. Mm-hmm.